All right, so in this episode, the title of the conversation is When Peasants Rise. And I'll talk about what this means in a moment, but this conversation is related to one we were having just before about Miles Davis. And one thing I forgot to mention was the factor of race in the story of Miles Davis. And Miles Davis says, I remember this very clearly in his autobiography, that life is a real bitch sometimes, especially if you're black. And he says that at a point in his story when he has really gone through some hard moments, some hard times. So that is one thing I forgot to mention, which we can sort of add on to the vast complexity that is the icon of Miles Davis. So if you want, you can go back and listen to that episode. But today, I want to look at this phenomenon of when peasants rise. And there's really two meanings to this. Number one is when peasants rise in class, when the lower class has their story of rags to riches, And that's really what I want to focus on. But then the second meaning is, well, when peasants rise, as in (laughs) there's an uprise and there's a, a revolution against the establishment or the powers that be. And these two sides are connected, but it's sort of funny and it's something that we're going to have to contend with again and again for ourselves and as time goes on, because, well, this is what we hope for. Right? Us as the common peasants, we hope to rise. And that story or that sort of hope, in some ways, you could argue, is sort of sold to us <laughs> to keep us in our place. We're told, oh, you can be just like me if you work just like me, if you work for me. Right? <laughs> and the reason I'm talking about this, or one of the sort of classic stories, in recent weeks, and and indeed the last year or so that has come to my attention, is the case of Friendly Geordies. So, Friendly Geordies is Jordan Shanks, and he is, he was, in so many ways, just common guy, right? Common peasant. And he made his videos, he did his talking, he did his cultural commentaries and political commentaries. And the story is that, well, he's now gone from being a common peasant to the upper class. And how that happened was that, well, he spoke out against a particular politician. And that politician then came along and said, you can't do that. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to silence you. And Friendly Geordies then appealed to his audience to say, I need funding. I'm just the little guy. I'm now facing this big lawyer, this big lawsuit. So help me. And the crowdfunding came through. But here's the thing. If we do the basic maths on this, you had this court case, which turned out to cost around $100,000. 
And yet the crowdfunding that Friendly Geordies had turned out to be about a million dollars. Now, I'm not trained in finance or maths, but roughly speaking, that would mean you've got to spare $900,000 to spare. Now, that's big money. That's not peasants' money. That is upper-class money. And really, the question is, well, what are you doing with that? Where is the detailed outline? Where is the, the charity, the venture, the system, the fundraiser? Now, I don't know what Friendly Geordies has done with it. I haven't heard much. But you see that now there's this very big difference between Friendly Geordies and the common peasant. And it's not even just about the money. It's actually also about the power. Because for him to actually speak now, to go after the politicians that he has, and to have the result of them not being able to so successfully fight back and to, in many cases, have them removed from their jobs, if only indirectly, then that is an influence. That is a power. That is a way with words. And the question now is, well, what do you do? What do you do with that? What responsibility is it of yours as someone to say, well, okay, what is your ideal for doing good? What is the force of good that you are doing? And how do you quantize it? How do you really measure it? How do you really see it at work in the world? And how do you illustrate it to your following? How do you actually break it down? Now, let's take a different example to the Friendly Geordie's case. Let's take the example of someone like PewDiePie. So, PewDiePie is the king of YouTube. He is the all-time greatest of YouTube creation and speaking on a video to a massive audience. And what happened to him is quite ridiculous, right? It's so impossible in so many ways to even fathom at all. It's just out of this world. (laughs) And the question there is, well, okay, you've got this massive amount of influence, this massive amount of money. What are you doing with it? And in the case of PewDiePie, well, he has actually created his private group He's got his streaming service and he's done that each month. And he says, okay, all of the proceeds for all that go to a charity. And he reveals how much it is and he makes it very clear that, well, that's what it's doing. And he said, okay, this portion of what I'm doing is for that. And in that case, you can say, well, is it good to just do what you are good at and earn money from that and then donate the money to a different cause? Or... Is it better for you to actually come up with systems and to have your own institutions and to have your own 
ideas about how you're going to influence things in the world and you should work on that. Now, of course, PewDiePie, you could argue, is <laughs> someone who you might say, well, he was destined to be what he is. He was never really a peasant. He was never really that poor. He doesn't really know what it's like. And there are some people like that, right? <laughs> I sort of, one, one person that comes to mind is Julian Barnes a famous author. And I just think, every time I hear that name, I just think, of course he's a famous author with a name like Julian Barnes. <laughs> if you want to be a famous author, change your name to Julian Barnes, and that's all you really need. Now, of course, it's a bit ridiculous because <laughs> Julian Barnes actually did do the work, right? He did actually learn the literature. He learned to write. He learned to express his brilliancy in the world of literature. And that's what made him famous. But then also, it's sort of like, <laughs> maybe you were destined. And in the case of PewDiePie, well, what does he say? You know, if we ask this person, why are you famous? What's the secret to your success? And he's like, eh, you know, ask for a subscription. Give them a thumbs up. Smile. Be happy. You know, these sort of little things. And it's like, you have no idea why people have just been drawn to you. It is just the luck of the draw that your personality is something that masses of kids resonate with. Warren Buffett put it another way. He said, he's rich because what he's really good at is income, asset and value assessments of large publicly listed businesses and corporations. If he had have been the world's best ukulele player, he wouldn't have been as rich as he was. And in so many ways, that is true for the upper class. That is true for the people who are no longer peasants. They've risen from the common... <laughs> the common dropkick, to the highest heights. And I, another story or a sort of another moment that comes to mind for me is when I was at a friend's house and she was explaining to her daughter, who was about maybe six or seven years old, very young, young girl, she was explaining to her daughter about something to do with these big corporations who have lots of money and they wreck the environment. You know, she's a bit of a bleeding heart, green meme hippie. And she was sort of making this case to her daughter. She was sort of explaining this to her daughter in a way that was, you know, sincerely trying to see, well, this is the state of the world. This is a fact of reality. And in so many ways, I can associate with that. I can understand, well... There is a lot to that, and it is important to try and impart this to the children in some sort of way. And the kid is sort of listening. This little girl is listening. She's sort of following along, and then she gets to the end, and she says, Mummy, if I was really rich, 
I would just want everyone to have what they need. And that really just hit it on the head, right? That was just bang, straight to the point. If I was rich, I would just make sure everyone had what they need. And there are other stories along these lines as well, right? We've heard in recent months that Elon Musk will give $6 billion to the World Health Organization if they can outline their plan for ending world hunger, right? Great, great. That's exactly what we're talking about, right? The world's richest man redistributing his excessive wealth to end world hunger. This is, he he's at least entertaining the idea of what was in the mind of this little girl. Now, we don't know exactly at this stage how that has played out and we probably we probably won't know, right? Even if even if Elon Musk pays up, you won't really know how the effect is for some years to come. Because there is also this thing of, well, it's not just a matter of paying the money. It's not just a matter of a bank transfer. You actually have to set up sustainable systems, right? A dollar is not just a dollar. A dollar is different whether it's in a fund, whether it's in a business, whether it's in a corporation, whether it's income, whether it's cash, right? This is a matter of vastly complex economic structures that are systemic and global. So it's really not as simple. I don't want to simplify, I don't want to oversimplify the issue. But here's the thing. When you're a peasant, the only way to actually get to the the level of that upper class is to be like them. You basically have to be them, right? By the time that little girl, that six-year-old girl, has billions of dollars in her bank account, she would have had to have changed so much in her worldview. And there's all sorts of things that come into it. There is a sense of entitlement, There is the sense of, oh, I need to take care of myself. There is the sense of, oh, only I know the best way to spend it. There was really so much to it. And in so many ways, it's, it's infuriating, right? Why don't these billionaires pay up? What is wrong with them? What is wrong with them? How do we get through to them? How do we see this? How do we get them to see? Now, there's a a very famous video on YouTube. I don't know if it's still around, but basically the, the, the video is a man from Wall Street, right? Your classic sort of in, investment man in his suit and tie from Wall Street, and he's holding a sign, and it says... I'm the 1%, right? Which means he's in the top percent. He's he's a billionaire, essentially. And he's holding the sign and, and underneath it says, let's talk. And people people are coming up to him, right? The common peasant, right? And and that video is is shocking and 
enticing and like, wow, what happens in that video? And like, right, you, you can sense this thing of, ah, oh, finally, the, the equivalent of the six-year-old girl who just wants to help everyone is finally getting to have her say with the Elon Musk, with the big billionaires. Finally, we're connecting it. And if you really think it through, if you really look at it, then, well, it does become more complicated because maybe I'm getting a little bit too far ahead of myself because when once you say, okay, let's talk, you start to realize, okay, well, what what is the actual problem? What are the actual logistics? What is a sustainable system, institution, fund, economic structure? Right? How do you actually invent that? We actually need innovation. And that's not even to say anything of implementation. How do we build that? How do we do the recruitment? How do we do the advertising? How do we do the infrastructure? How do we do the manufacturing? How do we do the logistics, the transport? Right? That's the work in so many ways. And yet, of course, for us common peasants, it feels like, well, if only we could get through to them. If only we could speak to them. If only we could have this conversation right now that I'm having with you, with the billionaires of the world. And as a common peasant myself, I sort of feel, (laughs) I sort of feel like, yes, there's outrage. Yes, there's, come on, we need to hold these big guys accountable. Where's the money? But then also I know enough about myself to realize that if I'm getting to that stage, it's like, oh, finally I can relax. Right? Because it really sucks to live as a common peasant. Right? To have to live in a place that isn't so nice. To always be scraping for bills. To not have your independence. To not be able to afford the travel you want to do. And to really even afford the food that you want. Right? Once you start to grow out of that and you start to have more money and you can afford things and you really have the security. And it's just, oh... Oh, it's such a relief. And it feels so good to be able to have money that can take you places. It feels so good to be able to afford nice clothes, to be able to afford good food, to be able to afford a nice place. I mean, if I could just like that, that is just such a stick in the mind, isn't it? Like... If I could just find a nice place to live, the quality of my life would vastly, dramatically change, right? Because where you live, you spend so much time there, right? If I just, if I just had somewhere that was nice, if I just had somewhere that felt secure, that felt like coming home, a place where I could really relax, and I could have that place without having to, you know, worry about a mortgage or to 
have some sort of other thing that encroaches on that so that it's not a security, it's actually a liability. And to find that money to finally grow out, grow into wealth and to actually come out of being a peasant is just like, oh, right? You don't really think. You don't really think to help others. It's quite a, it's quite a long way from being a peasant through into more money to the point where you actually start to think about other people. It's a long way, right? You have to make, like, not just a comfortable amount of money. You have to make a lot of money. You have to make big money. And I hope I hope this for myself, right? I'm speaking exactly from my own experiences. I really hope that I can get back to a place where I feel comfortable. It's quite, it's quite tough to be scraping for money. It, it really does suck. And who's to say, well, at what point, right? Because some would say, well, you're, you're already at that point to a certain degree because you're a white guy. You're in Australia. You earn dollars. You don't earn rupees or Mexican pesos or African CDs. Right, Just to be earning in dollars is already putting you in an upper tier of income on the world stage. So what are you complaining about, Dosta? Right, You could even go the further extreme and say, well, look at what Peter Singer does. He has his income amount, which is adjusted each year by inflation and consumer pricing indexes. And then anything beyond that, he donates. That's sort of like the saintly level of <laughs> philanthropy. That's different to saying, oh, I give away a percentage or an amount here or whatnot. And I would, I would refute Peter Singer because I believe that the only way we can be truly in an equal society is if we are all rich. It's really the only solution to all of this. It's that we have to all feel wealthy. That means transport, education, access to culture and entertainment, access to recreation and sports and art, access to leisure time and leisure activities, Freedom of travel. Freedom of new experiences. Free food, free health care. Free housing and luxury housing at that. And you could say, well, now you're just dreaming, Dosta. Now you're becoming absolutely far off with your ideals. And I say, well, we have to dream big. We have to dream big. And there are some people with a million followers on YouTube who don't give to charity. Right? PewDiePie, king of YouTube, well, he does what he does and he's done a lot. 
But even from that, there are people who have quite large followings and you can't see exactly, well, what are you doing? Now, many creators and speakers do do things better than nothing, right? (laughs) But if you have a million followers and you don't have a private group which you can or a sort of subgroup or an elite group or whatever you want to call it or a streaming group or a meetup group, right? You can you can tailor it to your style and then say, okay, well, this is going to that cause. If you don't have that, then you're actually leaving too much on the table. And that's really just one way in which you can help. If you have a million followers on YouTube, or even if it's just 100,000 followers on YouTube, then, wow, there's so much that you can do with that. Now, as it stands right now, I haven't made a single dollar from YouTube. In fact, I've lost quite a bit. (laughs) So I believe I'm off the hook in terms of video speaking. And maybe I should make a pledge or something, right? Okay. Once I get 100,000 followers, I will create a private group, which will be for a fee. And 100% of that fee will go to X charity or whatever charity it is that we can organize at that time. I'd love to be able to do that, right? I'd love to be able to give that back. But I don't have that, right? It's almost like I I feel like this six-year-old girl speaking to her mother and just saying, you know, if I was was a billionaire, I would just want to make everyone have what they need. So those are a few stories about when peasants rise and what it's really like. And I guess I'm making this as a reminder to myself in the hope that, well, (laughs) I can show what I think or show what I feel someday. And, you know, another part of me does actually think, when I really think this through, I think, you know... Maybe I'm happy being a peasant. (laughs) Maybe I don't want all the trouble. I don't want that responsibility. I should be careful what I wish for. So, because it is a lot of hassle, right? Doing paperwork, organizations, dealing with companies, dealing with institutions, dealing with red tape, dealing with people, dealing with managers, dealing with promoters, dealing with... You know, all of that stuff is just, it's its a runaround. It's very hard to do that in an elegant way. It's very hard to do that without falling into this neurotic sort of teasing, right? And I'm just thinking, oh, life was so much easier when I could just talk and just let it be and it could be what it wants. So those are a few thoughts. That's where I stand on a number of things and we will discuss this more later on but at least for now that's a start so thanks very much and that's all i have to say for now